Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the DC Sports Brain Trust. My name is Varun. I am your host and moderator, joined, as always, by three of my good friends and the best damn sports analysts around, Chris, Nick, and Rahul. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing this week? Uh, been, in, been, 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 been enjoying the long weekend? I uh, bought fresh avocado yesterday from the grocery store. Nice. Avocado. <laughs> you mean avocado? No, I meant avocado. And you even you didn't even get the vine right. It's I free shavakadu. I did it. Ah, I had this in my head this morning. I was like, I have oh the perfect intro. Yeah. I fucked it up. He was putting this together for like hours before the podcast. So, you know, oh, I got this four. perfect line. The guys are gonna think this is hilarious, no, no, and then he botched I woke it up at four thirty. And I was just like, this is the line I'm going to go with. <laughs> then I slept, and then I woke up again. It's like, yes, I still got it. And I fuck. God you know damn, boy, I should have watched the line. Your boy, your boy bought a house last week, so yeah. hey, podcast has been paying us some good money. Figured I had to put it into yeah. investment. You know what I mean? That's right. Party at party at Nick's house. Yeah, party party at Nick's group. I have made there the move. I have made the move back into Brooklyn. Uh, officially, so this is the first pod I'm recording from the new apartment. Nice. Hell yeah. Nice. I can hear the uh, the gunshots and police sirens yep, going off yep. in the background. Yep, yep, yep. You can hear the gunshots, the police sirens, um, the protesting, everything. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, but yeah, no. But hey, man. Even if I'm in a new, even if I'm in a new in a new state, we never stop talking DC sports. And we're gonna start today by uh, opening up with some baseball. Um, we're just gonna quickly gloss over it because really, we don't want to talk about it that much. But the Nats played the Phillies and they went over four. Let's just skip through that because fuck that. Um, and we're going to go quickly into the Braves real quick and talk about that series where the Nats actually did uh, go two for two in that series. Um, first game well, of four. They went two, out of four. two and two. Yeah. Two and two. Sorry, two and two, not two for two. I can't speak today. Um, no, actually, but, that's how it's written, but I fucked it up. <laughs> um uh, it's, 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 it's all good. All right. So let's talk about the first game. The Braves, uh, beat the Nats seven, one here. Um, Austin Voth. Oh man. Wasn't he, wasn't he like decent at the beginning of the season? And he just died. Yeah. Off the cliff? yeah. I think teams learned how to hit against him. Essentially. He's decent the first game and it's just been a train wreck. What's his, what's his, what's his specialty? What's his specialty pitch? Like if he has one. Fastball probably. Fetty's is the fastball because that's what he uses most of the time, but he's also not that great. Orland is the slider. Almost everybody's is the fastball, though. Yeah, it's probably the fastball. Yeah. I'm looking it up, though. Probably, but either way, so you're saying they probably it, it was Voth. Is Voth basically very predictable? Both, both. Austin, both. Is both very predictable with where he's placing the ball, like in the strike zone, or is it more so that batters have just gotten a better IQ at the plate when they're facing? I think he's just young and not very experienced. Yeah, it's not like he's rattled or anything. He just kind of like this is just a rough patch, and he probably needed some more time to develop. I, don't know. I think he's just not that good. Um, <clears throat> actually, no, he's 28 years old. He's not young. Oh, yeah. never mind. Yeah, he's um, yeah, he's probably. I mean, he's been in the Nats system for a solid amount of time now. But so he is a fastball, a curveball, a cutter, um, and then he rarely throws a splitter and a changeup. Gotcha. But essentially, the fastball, curveball, cutter are the three that he throws. So, do we see him getting demoted, or do we see him not making the rotation no. the next year? 
I think he's probably not going to be in the rotation next year. I think he'll lose his spot um, when Strasburg comes back. I imagine it'll oh, be yeah, at this sure. point. I, th- at this point, I would be surprised if either Fetty or <laughs> I don't know if you all remember Joe Ross <laughs> uh, take the take the spot. I no. imagine one of those two will. I think Fetty will just from like eh, he's not pitching great, but he's better than both. Well, you got I, I, yeah. I'm saying like. You can't forget about Joe Ross either, though, because yeah, but like we don't have him on contract anymore, do we? I mean, I I think they do. I forget what his contract is. Or did he with the opt out kind of thing? Does he have another year? I, I don't. I, I don't, don't really know how that part's gonna work. Um, let me see. Okay. Well, while we while we while we talk about it, let's let's dive into the next game where the Nats actually did win. Uh, we barely got a win, ten to nine against the Braves. Um, it ended a seven-game losing streak, thank goodness. Um, and, you know, even despite Freddie Freeman getting a grand slam, uh, our bats came in handy. Um, there was some good hitting in that front. Um, and we ultimately eshed out a win, which is great. Um, but the problem is is that we should not be in that position in the first place. So Joe Ross is arbitration eligible next season, at the very least. I don't know how his contract is going to work um, with COVID. Like, if, if they're going to push back one year because he opted out, I, I don't know how it's going to work. Yeah, neither do I. I know they're um, doing that either with the way, NFL. <clears throat> either way, he's probably going to be on the team um, next year. Got it. But yeah, um, do you guys have any thoughts on the on the win on the fourth, where we barely won 10-9? to 9? So this was a win without Juan Soto um, batting, and that was kind of incredible that we actually eked out a win. I thought we would just continue our lose streak, um, and this was like the second game of the doubleheader, and I was just like, well, it's going to be a, a day full of L's, and it wasn't. So that was a surprising win. And yeah, I thought... it was... Oh, go on, Chris. It was definitely it was pretty much a must-win game for morale. If they had lost that game somehow, I, I don't know what... I don't know how the morale in the clubhouse would have been. Luckily, they were able to eke it out, eke it out, and get the win. But uh, definitely would have been bad if they lost that game. Yeah. Morale still at an all-time low. Not very good. Yeah, bullpen was pretty hit or miss. Finnegan, yeah, Guerrero and Harris had pretty good performances. Rainey and Hudson, the two guys that have been probably the backbone yeah. of the of the uh, bullpen this year, didn't have that really good outings, but. They eked it out. It's yep. kind of weird that Wander Suero has actually developed into kind of an average pitcher, um, which is kind of like a good thing for our bullpen. Like he's not going to like wow you or anything, but he's kind of been playing all right. And that's yeah. a, a, a wild improvement <laughs> over what we have. He, he's he been good other than uh, one start or one appearance on August 31st against the Phillies where he gave up two runs. Uh, yeah. He's only given up two runs in his last one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, they're keeping nine his, appearances. His he's only given up low. two runs in the last nine. They're not letting him pitch a lot, but when he pitches, it's decent. Yeah. Like, it's he hasn't something given really up. Complain about. Other than that one Phillies performance, he hadn't given up a run in the last four appearances, including that one, or five, including that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's he's been surprisingly acceptable and serviceable this year. <laughs> Yeah, and I, hopefully that's a trend that continues because Rainey is definitely on the improvement until he gave that grand slam in the Philly series. Uh, yeah. I don't want to talk about that. 
I mean, if Wander Swirl is a piece that they could possibly use in the future, that that'd be nice. That that's a pretty uh, competent bullpen they've got there. Even if yeah. Will Harris doesn't pan out like we hope he does. I agree. Yeah. So who would be the who who would who would be the fifth guy if you slot in? So 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 once Strauss gets back from from his from his injury, you have um, you have you have Scherzer, Strauss, Corbin, Anibal. Who would be? Anibal will not be under contract next year. He will not. They're not. Do you, no. you don't you don't think at all, uh, so, think at all no. they're going to extend him? No, no, I don't think they're okay, going to extend fine. him. So you have um, so you have Strauss, you have Scherzer, you have Corbin. And then, do you call up? Do you try to do some acquisitions in the in the in free agency? Do you build guys up from the farm system? I'll tell you who will be that pitcher. I think that they are. It'll be Fernando I, Rodney at forty-four years. Get a fourth, a guy to Fernando slot Rodney into that. Forty-four fourth. years old. Yeah, he's pretty old. Jeez. Going into the rest of this series, uh, on the fifth, we saw that the Nats crushed the Braves 10-4 to um, with some really good hitting by Kurt Suzuki and Brock Holt. I, I'll be honest, I do not know much about Brock Holt, but <laughs> if he's doing if he's doing good hitting, I want to keep him on the team. Uh, he wasn't doing good hitting this game. Yeah, that was his first game that he really did anything. Oh, yeah, okay. First reported hit as a national. <laughs> Okay, so so what? Yeah, he was not very good in the first three or four games that he played with them. Yeah, the only thing I know about is that he's a utility guy, but I don't know how. Yeah, he's a play everything guy. He probably won't be on the team next year. That he was kind of a disaster in three innings, but we got uh, a little more than five innings of no hit relief from McGowan, Suero, Doolittle, and Harper. So that's that's a pretty good bullpen performance there. Yeah. It's a very good bullpen performance. I love that. Um, but I think the th- moment we want to talk about is in the last game of the series. <laughs> yeah, um, I think uh, that's the big thing. Just want to, okay, so just for the record, Braves beat the Nats in the last game 10-3. to Absolutely destroyed us. But the thing that went absolutely ballistic was Joe West, the umpire of the game, threw out... Mike Rizzo ejected Mike Rizzo for not wearing a mask. Now, now under normal circumstances, that makes sense. But Mike Rizzo was in his private suite. So I saw that grab headlines, but then I saw other tweets that Mike Rizzo was yelling at the ump over uh, strikes and ball calls. And that's what yeah. really got him tossed. And this so was just what was the headline. Yeah. Somehow the umpire was able to hear Mike Rizzo all the way from the second deck chirping at him. Um, somehow he couldn't block that out two two decks away, which I don't really understand either. Like if your skin is that soft, like come on, man. It would I be mean, a Rizzo move to get a speakerphone. And just block like, it. Dude, but, like I, dude, dude. If during the season with fans, like how many people are chirping at you? Like, come on, bro. If I was Rizzo, <laughs> if, if I was Rizzo to be petty, I would take advantage of the PA system in the in the in the ballpark. <laughs> And just start chirping at the ump using the PA system. <laughs> he got that contract well, extension. He could pay more money for a megaphone. Yep. There was a t- there was I forget what team, but uh, a, a a PA guy. Um, a public, he uh, got ejected because he played three blind mice uh, for the umpires at one point in the game. That's really I forget funny. What it was. That's awesome. That's ha- yeah. That is hilarious. I would I would I would I would play blinding lights. Like if if they kept 
screwing things up. Or I would just start playing Stevie Wonder songs. It's like a nice subtle kind of thing. I think Stevie Wonder songs would go over better. <laughs> but yeah, the weird thing about this whole mic back to the, the topic, it's like one, I don't really get why he was ejected. It seems kind of like a power hungry move. I mean, this was Joe West who, uh, uh, not well liked in the MLB. I'd say he's uh, the least liked out of everyone, except for maybe Angel Hernandez. Which I think Angel Hernandez gets the belt for the least. Yeah, liked but Joe West is a close second. The weird thing is, like, it was a power hungry move. A guy that's his head is so big. I'm like, it's it's an ego thing. The weird thing though was the quote after. Um, I can't believe this was a real quote <laughs> that he basically. I've, I've, I got it. It says um, he, when West was talking about it, he said, enough is enough. I wouldn't take that from a player. I wouldn't take that from a manager. If it was Donald Trump, I'd eject him too, but I'd still vote for him. <laughs> <laughs> like, where does that come from? It's like, okay, oh, I get random. the first two parts, like whatever, but why did he slide Donald Trump in there. Kind of funny. Like I just, I'm. Yeah. Let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use probably Joe West thought process and others like him against him. How dare he insert politics into my sports? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, like even if we all loved Donald Trump, like even if he had a 100% approval rate, why did you have to say that you're voting for Donald Trump right there? A political thing. It's just like what the hell? Yes. It's just weird. It's just. It's it's like if you go back some years and be like oh if even president obama was in the stands i'd still toss him like it's just a but weird still, thing but, but i'd still vote for no, him it's, it's like, like okay the, the weird the weird the weird part is the vote part if he had said yeah because like okay because the example he could have made i don't care if it's a player i don't care if it's a manager i don't care if it's the president i would have i would have tossed them all that is yeah. just an okay status yeah, fine. that's fine like, that's fine like, but the fact that he just inserted, like, oh, I, oh, I still vote for him. Like, okay, cool, dude. Maybe he was just like, oh, but he might be a good person. He just did something bad during that. I, I don't fucking. I'm not. I can't dive into the brain of Joe West right now. The other, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't this, want to. I don't want to dive into the brain of Joe West. The other weird part about this whole situation is Joe West was one of the umpires that was like, COVID's not real at the beginning, oh. and one of the reasons he's calling security is to get Mike Rizzo to wear a mask the whole reason for masks being COVID <laughs> it do- none of this makes this sense is, this is being a this is, power hungry asshole this is just a wild game of mental gymnastics bro yeah like I don't even I don't even get it alright well let's just alright well let's just run through some of the rest of this stuff uh, even after these games that we that we just had Rahul did mention earlier that Rizzo's got a contract extension. He does. He's he's signed off for three more years as a GM. Um, waiting on that, Davey Martinez contract extension, the guy we all wanted fired at the beginning of last season. <laughs> Rizzo said that's their top priority is to extend Davey. Yeah, so they've got a they've got a club option um, this season that I assume that at the very least they'll they'll use, but. Uh, I, I they're working on like a long term deal, at least four or five years, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I, I want, I mean, like at this point, is 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 five what they're what they're looking at? They haven't said an exact uh, year frame. I'm just I'm just spitballing, but they they have said that they want it to be a long term deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's good. 
Um, just to give you guys a quick update on some returning players, uh, Carter Keyboom. Rizzo has mentioned that he's going to continue to play third base for the rest of the year, as well as Sean Doolittle. Uh, talking about him real quick, not him also playing third base. That'd be disastrous. Um, <laughs> Sean Doolittle also returned, and he's been playing well after his return. So he's been getting back into the groove. I guess he may have needed more time to get into the groove. Unfortunately, the Nats are in last place in the division. So you got to see what you got in Keyboom at this point. Yeah, like I mean, so they're gonna they're gonna start him at third base the rest of the year. They're gonna see, you know, former first round pick, very hyped up uh, prospect for a few years. You got to play him out, and you got to see what you got. And yeah, it's pretty much a playing for twenty twenty one kind of move. Which look, let's face it, at this point the Nats are out of it. They're not a playoff. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the best round. they can do at this point is thirty five and twenty five. <laughs> Yeah, that, and they would bad. they would have to win all their games, and every other team in the division would have to shit themselves. Yeah, it's- well, the, every other team in the NL East has been shitting themselves for the most that part. That is true. So half it's of it's been being a pretty done. terrible division. But um, yeah, Keyboom has got to play every single game the rest of the way. I think since they're out of it at this point, if Cabrera is in the game, that's not a good thing. Like literally at this point, like like literally at this point, the the season's a bust. And it's also, you know, yeah. not legitimate because COVID. Um, and uh, Carter Key, this at this point, it's just Carter Keyboom trading ground. Like, yeah, like, like get your. Le- That's what they've like, got to do. Get your legs under you. Make make good plays on make a defensive plays. Get your bat right. Like this is now just a training ground for Keyboom. If he yeah. if he wants to if he wants to fill that Anthony Rendon sized hole, he's got to step it up. His bat has to get better. Um, he's got to get better defensively. It's just, it's just, it's, 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 it's literally his, it's literally his job to lose. Davey has propped him up as the guy at third base and you don't want, you don't want Cabrera at third base because Cabrera is, he's, he's older. He's not as, he's not as fast. His bat is not all the way there as well. I mean, Cabrera can still hit, but like he doesn't have the consistency that the third that from it, one side of the plate, you know, yeah. the righty against lefty, yeah, yeah ex- hitting against right-handed pitchers, yeah, exactly. So like you, we Keyboom just needs to step up. Like if he, like if we want a good third base guy, and Keyboom, if Keyboom is the guy, we got to step up. He's got to step up. Like Cabrera should only be in the game at this point if he's playing first base or if he's giving somebody a day off. That should be the only reason that Cabrera is playing third or second. Straight facts. Because Garcia's got to play every single game and Keyboom's got to play every single game. I think you're going to have a situation next year where it's going to be Starlin Castro and maybe Keyboom. If Keyboom shows some potential these remaining games. I think you're going to have those two duking it out for third base because Luis probably is our second baseman. I think Castro has the upper hand. Castro, yeah, yeah, Castro, Castro was playing super well before he got injured. Yeah, he was. If, I mean, if Keyboom keeps playing like this, he's not going to be this. He'll be riding the bench a lot of next year. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see. Carter is your training ground to get, prove yourself at third base. Um. Uh, the other thing I did want to mention that uh, you said. You, you mentioned Doolittle for a second. While he obviously had his struggles at the beginning of the season, but he's had two or three nice performances um, since then with the most recent one from today um, being no runs on no hits. So that's a, that's a definitely a good sign. Even before that, in that extra inning game, all he gave up was a sack fly and a sack bunt when he technically got the loss, I guess, even though he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Um, My hope for Doolittle is that he 
plays well for the most part so he can get himself a, a free agent deal, even if it's for a year or two somewhere else. But I don't think we're going to re-sign him, and I would not advocate re I think we're going to. You think so? Yeah. I would be surprised if they don't. Um, I wouldn't like mostly him. because they put this much work into him. If they if yeah. they've decided they're not going to work, if they're not going to re-sign him, I don't think uh, we'd be seeing as much Sean Doolittle trying to get better um, that the Nats have done. Maybe, but I mean, he's still a part of the team now, so you know you got to make sure you try and develop and keep your guys healthy as best you can. But I just see yeah, well, up and coming guys in the bullpen and two guys yeah. that are a little older that already have extensions in Hudson and Harris. I also think Doolittle has a soft spot for DC and then he'll probably take less money to play here instead of moving somewhere else. That could be. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a good point. And his, his wife also likes it here a lot um, as well. She's very involved in the community. So I would be surprised if he signed somewhere else unless the Nationals really don't want him, which I, think I don't it's think gonna that's be... either. I think they want him. But what about like the case of we're paying Hudson and we're paying Will Harris? Like, wh- why would we sell more money for another reliever? And we have Rainey coming. Because he's up. not going to be that exp- He's not going to be that expensive. If he's cheap, then it makes more. Then it makes a lot more sense. He's an older relief pitcher, and relief pitchers already don't make that much. And he's an older one, so I I, I would be. He's not going to be expensive. Um, I don't think yeah. he'll be our closer again, but if you I, I doubt it, especially if, if Rainey keeps pitching like this, I feel like you can't turn away from Rainey, other than obviously the other day that Rainey gave out that grand slam. Um, other than that, like you can't really turn away from Rainey when he's pitching this well. Even Hudson's little... been consistently better. So yeah. one of those two guys I imagine will be the bona fide closer. Yeah. But I mean, having Doolittle in there as one, a lefty pitcher, which the Nats don't have a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and to a guy that's just been solid for a pretty long time. Who, who, also, who knows uh, what this COVID has done to his pitching routine? Maybe that's had an effect, a factor on it. I don't know. It would have had an effect on everyone, though, wouldn't it? Well, it affects different people different ways. Like maybe he didn't have the whole spring training that he usually likes. I don't know. But I, I would be surprised if they don't resign him. I'll say that. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and talk about some offseason rumors. Um, one of the big things kind of looming around free agency is the fate of Phillies catcher JT Realmuto, who is arguably the best hitting catcher in the. He's in, the he's the best catcher in the MLB. All right. It's best, not even an argument. Right, the best <laughs> catcher in the MLB. It's JT Realmuto and then everyone else. Yeah, um, pretty much. But he you got tier one and then tier two of everyone else, and JT is the only one in tier one. Yep. So Real Muto is on the Phillies. His contract situation is that he's pretty much on. I think it's like thirty more games he's under contract. Um, the rest of the season. Yeah. So <laughs> rest of the season. Okay. So he's free agent at the end of the season. Um, I per- personally, I think the Phillies are going to extend him, but if mm, they're not going to extend him. I'll say that. You, you, um, don't, you don't think they're going to sign him to a new contract? No, it's way too late. He's already kind of said that he's going to test the market. All right. Um, well, all right. Well, even if he does. Nobody really signs extensions this late into the season anyways. Fair enough. So I, if they somehow extend him, I would be shocked. Fair enough. All right. So, all right. So JT Rumoto test free agency. Um, I think the Phillies are still going to try and, you know. Oh, yeah. Try and re-sign him regardless. Oh, yeah. Um, 
But are the Nats, could the Nats potentially get Real Muto? Suzuki's no. contracts are. All right. That's <laughs> a very. No. That's just a, the flat no. Yeah, absolute no. I Nick, think- Nick, Nick, do you want to provide more reasoning or is it just the no? <laughs> Well, I think you have too many guys that you want to prepare to sign longer term. And one of the other things that's been brought up is that Trey Turner and the Nats have actually had some discussions on an extension. And I'd like to see them extend Turner. Obviously, he's got another two years of arbitration, so that may not be right away. But I'd rather see if they're going to go after a free agent. I'd rather they go after pitching free agent because I think they're going to need some help in the rotation because Strasburg's got – question marks on health Scherzer's going into the last year of his deal and he's going to be 37 years old and you got Corbin and then after that you don't really know what you have and I think you need to go after some sort of pitcher I don't know what pitchers are available this offseason but I'd look at a I'd look at a at a decent starting pitcher if I were going to sign somebody to a big offseason deal Plus, uh, yeah, no, I agree with you, actually. Um, it makes more sense that way. And, like, I I mean, like, a catcher role is critical, but I don't know if it's, like, pitcher levels of critical. We didn't I actually uh, disagree here. I think Real Muto would oh. be an awesome addition because we're le- we're losing Suzuki, and we don't have anyone to pull him up, and we have Gomes, who's awful at bat. Like, he has yeah. awful cold streaks. You can't really rely on him for anything. And our backup, Rondi, fuck, I don't even remember his name. Reed, like the guy who's oh, our backup. Roddy Reed? Yeah. We <laughs> Roddy haven't even Reed, seen the goat. <laughs> we Roddy haven't Reed, even seen him play. And it's like, it's kind of like crazy to think that we're going to like try and roll into the next season without a real answer, mainstay at catcher. And also, Gomes' contract, he has only another year. I think we gave him another year yeah. anyway. So his is also expiring. So it's kind of like we, we kind of do need to go out and sign Real Muto. And I think we'll have enough cash. Uh, uh, we can wait on Trey Turner, but we should have enough cash to also look at some option at pitcher. I don't – how much would you be paying Real Muto? Isn't he going to make like a pretty good amount of money? I'm, look, um, I'm, I'm looking – So for comparison, Yasmani Grandal got a four-year $73 million deal. Oh, that's not um, as bad as I thought. Assumingly, JT Real Muto is going to probably make more than that because he's yeah. the better catcher. So I'm thinking probably if it's four, if it's a four-year deal, I think it's going to be closer to 80, 85 million um, for that time. Yeah. But for starting pitchers that are free agents, since uh, Nick was asking, Trevor Bauer is pretty much the number one guy. Like it's not really that close. I think Marcus Stroman is going to be a free agent. Um, Liam Hendricks out of Oakland, and then Blake Trinan, who's a relief pitcher. Isn't, but isn't, Alex Trinan. Is it, is it, isn't Bauer going to be – aren't the Reds going to go heavy for Bauer, though? Oh, everybody's going to go heavy for Bauer. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be a, a top-touted relief pitcher. He's going to make a shit ton of money. Um, Trevor Bauer? But for him, he yeah. only likes signing one-year deals. Why? Um because he just baseball. likes maxing out his individual earnings. Ah, oh, got it. Um, Kirk Cousins. But who knows? Maybe he'll switch that strategy since he's been so good and he can he can probably really make a shit ton of money this year. I don't know. He's Trevor Bauer is interesting because he's a very analytical guy. Um, I think the Nats need to go after another pitcher. I 
don't really agree. I think they can go after like a an e-ball kind of just a guy to slide into that four slot and let Joe Ross or Fetty take the job. Even then, like you can have, you can probably have Joe Ross, Ross and Fetty fill out that fourth and fifth role. I think Stroman, Stroman would be um, a good get him from, in my opinion. I, I Stroman wouldn't be bad. Yeah, yeah I, I would be kind of up so, there. They're both kind of expensive though, Stroman and Bauer. Um, the only thing is that Stroman is coming off injury. He did have a torn calf. Kind of. Well, yeah, he, we've well, also. Been spending first round picks consecutively on pitchers. Like, we should yeah. expect well, someone to ride. Jackson Rutledge is obviously coming through the pipeline. Uh, Mason Dannenberg, hopefully, at some point will come up. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't really need to have a signed guy for that fourth slot. Maybe, like I said, somebody's like a depth piece for to fill up, fill out Ani Ball's uh, spot. I would rather them, if possible, sign JT Riyamuto because, like you said, Kurt Suzuki's on the way out. Even then, even if they re-sign Kurt Suzuki, I don't think he's uh, a, a viable option, especially with his defense. It's just way too easy to steal against him. So I, I, if they somehow were able to sign JT, I think that would be definitely a step up and definitely a, a good move for them. With I'd rather them do that than get a fourth rotation guy um that's good like marcus stroman with suzuki too it really seems like age and just the injuries that he's acquired over the years he's never been that great of a defensive catcher either way um so it's hard like i would rather them if they need rotation help halfway through the season trade for it than uh sign a big name guy in the offseason first for the rotation if you need to uh, and you know what one other thing i'm looking at the pitchers that are going into free agency next year not this upcoming year but if we decided to go after a pitcher and that crop of guys you've got noah Syndergaard. that's like the that's like the headliner <laughs> i if you move on from scherzer that's the guy you go after yeah and so that'll be his first free agent deal too yep he's gonna make a lot of money yeah no matter where he goes, that's going to be a huge. I don't. That's yeah. That's going to be a big ass contract. Yeah. All the other guys that are pretty much older: Clayton Kershaw, Scherzer, Verlander, Greinke. Uh, those guys will be under. Those guys will be free agents uh, a year from now. I don't think we have the cash for Syndergaard to make a like Probably competitive not. bid. Well, actually, to be honest, you know, with Scherzer off the books, we probably would have yeah. the cap. I think to do it, I think you can make it work. And you know, not that I want to move on from Scherzer, but he will be thirty-seven, and yeah, well, he might just retire. I, I don't yeah. know what his plans are. Zach Greinke, I liked him a lot. Um, you know, he's a little bit up there in age too, but he'd be a yeah. I mean, all those all those guys kind of fall under the same boat of yeah ace pitchers of the past that are getting a, a little bit up there in in age. Verlander as well. Yep. So yeah, Zach Greinke's like the only guy on the Astros that I kind of like. <laughs> he's just a dork. Yeah, I can't help but kind of root for him. And like, yeah, I love like. I have so much respect for him, like the way he pitched against us in the World Series. Like, mm-hmm. frankly, I think they probably should have won Game Seven because he was pitching yeah. lights out, but they pulled him, and we were like really lucky. Although you never Will know, Harris. Rendon hit a homer off of him. 
and then he blocked yeah. the guy, so that's why they pulled him. So maybe he was done, but he pitched really yeah. well against us. So you know, he was pitching well. I was surprised they took him out that early, but yeah. that's that's in the past. Nats won the World Series. Yep. But yeah, I, I like Grinky. I don't know if you all want to move topics. We have been talking baseball for essentially thirty-eight minutes at this point. Sure. Yeah, we'll move. All right. Well, moving on. Let's. Uh, Jump from baseball over into football. Talk about the Washington TBDs. Um, looks like the final roster has been cut down to 53 people. Um, any surprises on your guys' end? Was this pretty standard of what you guys expected to the guys have cut? Um, let me get your thoughts on that. Go ahead, Rahul. So the biggest surprise, and I think everyone was like all on the news waves over it, was cutting Adrian Peterson. Uh, just like we could have, it just felt like a weird move to make, but I guess it speaks to the confidence that Scott Turner and Ron Rivera have over their running back group of uh, Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick, Payne Barber, weirdly enough, and Bryce Love. Uh, Bryce Love. And it's just kind of weird. Like when I'm imagining, like I'm imagining like Adrian Peterson versus like any of those backs on the roster, it's like, okay, I'm, I see how Antonio Gibson would make it over, JD McKissick even. Uh, Bryce Love, but I, I don't see how it, how he would make it over Payne Barber unless like Adrian Peterson was a complete liability out there trying to pass block, which he kind he kind of was. Um, but he could pass catch as well as the rest of them, and I I, I just felt like a weird move to make. And he's like a good locker room leader, and he went for vet men to Lions anyway. Um, other than that, um, just kind of light on wide receivers, a lot of running backs, um, and yeah, other than that, no no real surprises. Um, yeah, just the Adrian Peterson thing. And also, uh, giving Sean Davis 2 million to slum it and then go back to the Steelers anyway. Nick, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, there were really no surprises. Um, I think I'm even less surprised about the Adrian Peterson cut. Uh, I I think what that signals more than anything is that they're just going younger. They want to get a baseline of who they've got. They're going to go with their own guy. They're going to go with a young group of undrafted free agents that we're going to see a lot of in the wild, in the wide receiver room, obviously three out of five of them are undrafted and you're relying on a third rounder from last year to pretty much carry that entire room, Terry McLaurin. Um, You know, hopefully the guy just shows even more this year than last year. Um, But yeah, you know, it's a very, very young group of guys. And I, I think this is going to be similar to a wizard's, type season where they're looking for contributors or looking for very young up and coming guys. It's a very young team. They're really not a whole lot of old grizzly vets on this team that I can think of. Um, so, you know, that's, if they can go six and 10 or seven and nine, I think you have a pretty solid start and you have a very young team that you can build off of and maybe find a couple free agents that fit your needs, but you have to get that baseline first. I don't know if they've got it or not, frankly. I mean, this may not be a six and 10 or seven and nine year. This could be a two or a three win year. So it's hard to say. Yeah. ESPN ran a simulation and it ended with Washington going four and 12. NFL network did the uh, ranking or did the uh, record you know they pick who wins and loses, and they had their uh, they had us going one in fifteen. Mm. Ow! Yeah, uh, that's brutal. That, so I'm, I'm so that, that Haskins is not your guy. 
but the yeah. thing but the thing is is like with haskins and sorry to jump in here i just i, I this oh, go for this, it this is this is something i wanted to i wanted to Brune is not allowed to talk about the washington football team <laughs> as long as he calls them the tbds is not <laughs> as long as i call them the tbds <laughs> um the thing is is that with haskins is you know he's he's still like i it's it seems clear because they haven't tried to make a a, a a splash in terms of to acquire a new quarterback so haskins is the guy right now and i feel like even with one in 15 you would have to see ha- you would have to see haskins performance in those games because 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 it's not it's I don't think it's going to be like a unless he starts to play like Mitch Trubisky it's not going to be like a Trubisky situation where like he's just completely and utterly ass because I mean a a quarterback is as good as it's a starter Mitch Trubisky to you Thank okay you. okay well the Bears are idiots um you have you have a guy you have Dwayne Haskins here and would you say Nick NFL.com one in fifteen correct is that what you said. Is that yeah. what the simulation says? Okay, so one in fifteen. I don't think the TBDs are going to go one in fifteen. They have the potential to go and win at least four or five games. I think you're mm-hmm. highly underestimating or overestimating the, the, the When you think of one in fifteen, though, you think Hugh Jackson like levels of incompetence. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, and Ron Rivera is not Hugh Jackson. We know this. No, he's not. But he needs time to develop his own team and culture, and that could take a year or two. Yeah, but yeah, but he's. I don't. Yeah, yeah, but like, what is the? But what's the whole? But but what's? But what's stopping? You know, assuming this investing. You know, assuming Dan Snyder clears the shit, the shit storm that he's in right now. Mm-hmm. What's 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 stopping Snyder from just getting rid of Ron Rivera? Nothing. Right. That's why I'm worried about rooting <laughs> for this team and rooting for Rivera because I have because he has such a short temper, and he's a child, and he has no patience whatsoever. And it's going to take, in my opinion, it's going to take a couple of years before you see potential with this team to actually have a winning season. I don't think they're a winning season team this year. And I, I think it's very possible that they could be worse this year than last year. I would not rule that out whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> as a fan, I'm just going to say if somehow Dan Snyder gets removed, I don't give a shit if Ron Rivera is tossed out of the building with. Like, that is collateral damage that I will gladly take. We just need that owner out of the building. Um, it just, like, off fucking over some other franchise. Well, I, I mean, if it's true that Rivera is sending P.I. Or not Rivera, wow. So if Snyder is sending P.I.s to screw with people that want to testify against him, that's just... Snyder, Snyder, Snyder's going to drag whoever he can drag with him if he if if the NFL forces. There is a scenario in which we can go one in fifteen, and that's I think if Ron Rivera's cancer does get uh like he needs more treatments and he's out of the coaching game for a long time. Do you think Del Del Rio is that? I mean, Del Rio did. I don't think it would have anything to do with his health. I think if we go one in fifteen, it's just. I could see it happening under Rivera. I could see it happening under Del Rio. I think it's it would just mean that the team is not properly structured and put together to fill the needs of the coaching staff, and they would need a couple years to really build out the team. And look, Ron Rivera, like his first year in Carolina, I'm pretty sure they were a five-win team, which is not terrible for a team that bottomed out a year before. Um, but, you know, it took a couple years before they started having winning seasons and I, I just don't think you can rule out the possibility that they bottom out even worse. And 
I, I think his health is probably beside the point. Like if they're going to suck, it'll be, it, it'll be regardless of if he's coaching the full season or not. And if they could be really good, you know, I think they could be really good under Rivera or Del Rio. It, it, it really depends on how they come together. And Well, those are two different coaching of, styles, Del Rio and Rivera. It is, that, but, you know, I think it's a, a lot of times with the head coach, it's about leadership more than anything. And it's not like Rivera is not going to be there. It's just, you know, he might need to take a few games off or he might need to take half the season off. I, I think that won't really impact a whole lot. I mean, it would be it would impact the building quite a lot, but in terms of the on the field performance, I think whatever happens will happen regardless. So if you're saying the roster has been built up to what Rivera and Sarah was like basically a talent deficient roster, isn't that a case to pull the plug on Kyle Smith? Yes. It mm. it most definitely is. And I think Kyle Smith's kind of on thin ice right now. Um, I think you really need to take a look at how the last two draft classes performed this year. Um, and if look in the grand scheme of things, if those draft classes are severely underwhelming, if Haskins is not playing up to his potential, um, if you go one in 15, Haskins is not your guy. There is no scenario where yeah. a team goes one in 15 with a starting quarterback most of that season. And that starting quarterback is not the is the answer. It's just not yeah. going to happen. It doesn't matter yeah. how bad your team is. A solid, like a decent quarterback that's going to lead you into the future is going to get you more than one win. If well, they yeah, go I'll, five um, eleven or six and ten, then you know that's where you have to look yeah. at the individual performance. This, this, I think more likely. Than the not thing is, is that if you if you go one and fifteen, I wouldn't even I wouldn't blame it on the quarterback exclusively. Like that no, is a and yeah. that is no, an entire. Like, like, what, what I'm not you, saying that, it would, yeah, but I'm saying either. like, but I would like for a replacement. If, yeah, <laughs> he goes, yeah, if he's going one in fifteen, like that's not the answer either. It's not a hundred percent his fault, but it's also not not his fault. If you're you're looking at a Josh Rosen situation. Lawrence, if you're one in fifteen, then you've won the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. yeah. yeah, that's yeah. yeah. And like, are you really going to pass up an opportunity to go for Trevor Lawrence? No. <laughs> yeah, no. He's yeah, no. I, I feel like I feel like if the if the TBDs do go one in fifteen, and you know they win the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, they're they're definitely going to pit try and pick him up. Um, you know, he, yeah. Lawrence is Lawrence is is the best college football prospect right now, and he's and he he play he just he's just absurd. Like I yeah. like you would have to be like unless like unless you have a top like unless you have Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, unless you have hey, oh. unless you have these elite quarterbacks on your team, it's doesn't it makes zero sense to not go for Trevor. Yeah. I mean, any team that's get, getting the first pick, it just yeah. it doesn't make sense not to go for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had the two pick last year and we chose to pass on Tua for Chase Young, which I'm not saying that's a bad move, but we yeah. had a chance at potentially an elite quarterback and well, we they're still looking at yeah like Dwayne Haskins can still potentially yeah, be an elite quarterback right. just like Tua potentially can be yeah and I mean and I mean Chase Young is he wasn't he argue, he was arguably the best defensive player in the draft and you got him yeah well, best I mean, player in the draft period best player in the draft period yeah but I mean he's kind of like uh before that you know with uh Bosa and like even prior to that, like there's always going to be that one kind of defensive player that you're going to weigh against the other quarterback prospects at the top of the draft. 
like you can take them and like and sometimes they are going to be hailed as the best player of the draft but it's still like uh, uh, let's let's just say this a franchise quarterback is the most valuable player on your team well, once yeah. you get it and like what some arguments that other like news or like NFL news organizations made so like if you don't have a franchise quarterback and you're drafting high why aren't you trying to draft a franchise quarterback even if like the quarterback on your roster is a rookie kind of thing like you just don't draft that high or that often but unless you you're can... truly terrible and needing a franchise quarterback but you can also win without a franchise quarterback case in point the eagles when they beat the patriots they won with nick Foles. Who is definitely you not can, their franchise quarterback? But who brought you can them? Go there. back to the Ravens with Trent Dilfer. Yeah, right. <laughs> like Dilfer is like the, well, you could also say with Trent Dilfer. Um, look at the Payne Manning led Broncos that won the Super Bowl. That too, off yeah. the backs of their defense. Like there's there is success in not having a good quarterback. Um, there's there's a there's a there's a whole thing of you know yes it's, I, the it's just harder the, the quarterback is definitely the most important position because they're they're essentially they're they're the leaders they're the ones responsible for getting for making for making plays getting points and utilizing the team around them and I and and I and I agree that a franchise quarterback is better because one the vision is more consistent and two the mentality is more consistent with a franchise quarterback whether you whether it be an Aaron Rodgers type whether it be a Tom Brady type, whether it be a Drew Brees type, all these guys had a consistent vision and a consistent mentality that they maintained throughout their time with their respective teams. And with that, and I think Haskins can get there, but obviously he needs to just, he needs to work. And this is, this goes for any sport, work on the fundamentals first and then build on that. Right. But they also didn't give Haskins the tools to succeed. Like his tight end group mm -hmm. is the worst ever like i've never seen a tight can end you can you can you can you name a patriots wide receiver outside of julian edelman in the past like two years uh yeah jacoby Myers. they just drafted him <laughs> oh my god Rahul. <laughs> <laughs> they also drafted uh first round nikhil pick harry. just two years ago yeah and kill harry and then they cut him didn't they no he's still on the roster they can't cut oh. no way they would cut him immediately Basically, didn't play a year. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe the Patriots was a bad example because Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. No, but the Patriots—you uh... bring a good point because the Patriots tight end group is also similar, similarly terrible. But the difference between the Patriots and the Washington Football Team is you have Cam Newton, who has dealt with awful, awful receiving cores for so long, and has been and able he had to... to deal with Josh Norman. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's been able to deal with a lot of adverse situations and be able to come up on top. <laughs> Haskins hasn't shown that yet. Um, and he oh, was he's young. Yeah, he's young. And he, he's been given a great situation in Ohio, too, with multiple uh, really NFL, well-talented NFL players in Ohio State. Um, so, yeah, just looks to see. And it, I think, um, personally, if you're drafting that high, um, it's a lot easier to use that resource to get that franchise quarterback than using that resource to try and build a championship winning defense. Um, I kind of like trade down just because of just the amount of resources. Yeah. Good points. I mean, ultimately I think the NFL.com prediction is kind of crap and I think it's going to be, I think the skins will win at least four games. I think uh, my skin, sorry, predicted. sorry, sorry, not skins, TVDs, TVDs, the TVDs will win at least four games. <laughs> I think that I'd probably I'd say three and thirteen or four and twelve. I agree with Chris. I think it's I think it's going to be below six and ten. And yeah, six and ten I think is a good goal. Yeah. I think if they get six and ten, I think that's a solid step forward. 
yeah I, for them i was originally <laughs> believing in six and ten but after the ron rivera cancer stuff i was just like i think i'm going to lower my expectations for this team it just seems like a like, lot I think, more i think even if they do go three and 13 four and 12 that's not like terror obviously it's not great but it's still like you've got something to build on now i'll be drafting a new quarterback if that's the case if you, you've been <laughs> drafting a new quarterback at four and twelve yeah, I'd be drafting uh, either Trey Lance or um, Justin Fields. Justin Fields. I would draft the, another Ohio State guy to replace the current Ohio State guy. I would do that because it's Justin Fields. I think I would yeah. trade down and draft wide receivers and that one tackle from, uh, what was it, Oregon? Like the really good one, Penny Sewell, I think is his name. Yeah, he's not going to be – he won't be available if we trade yeah. down, though. He'll, he's mm, a high yeah. guy probably. Okay, right. let's. I let's, think we're pretty much done. With yeah, what we yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's move into basketball. By the way, if they get rid of Dan Snyder, my my prediction changes to thirteen and three. Um, all right, uh, <laughs> limiter on the team. All right, so let's move into basketball real quick. Not too much news on the Wizards side, but we can kind of kind of base it around it. So first thing, first rookie of the year, uh, Rui Hachimura received no votes. Uh, pretty much the rookie of the year who you expect to get it, got it. Uh, John Morant, the point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. He was amazing. He led all rookies in assists, uh, had over seven assists a game, as well as total points scored. He was averaging about almost 18 points a game, which is just absurd for a rookie um, and especially a point guard as well. And he had his first triple-double uh, in his rookie season over, of course, the Washington Wizards. Um, but yeah, Congrats to John Morant. Great, great, great stuff um, from you. Uh, you, He has a bright future in the NBA. Um, no doubt. Another thing, and this is, we're kind of framing this as to, you know, you might be you might be able to see this, something like this on the Wizards, but it is a unique situation. Um, the Brooklyn Nets recently got Steve Nash as their head coach. Um, he has no prior coaching experience. He was a, he was a consultant for Steve Kerr on the Warriors. Um, so to me, immediately, this screams Kevin Durant higher. Um, so Steve Nash is now coming over. Uh, I know we were, we were talking about this during the week and let's talk about Let's lay that on the groundwork here. Um, so he's, he's, he's an inexperienced head coach, but one of the, one of the key components here is that, so after Kenny Atkinson left, uh, after Kenny Atkinson got fired, um, uh, Jacques Vaughn, who was on Atkinson's staff, he became he 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 took over for about ten games. He was the interim head coach for the Nets. He went seven and three in those ten games. So pretty 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 good stuff. Um, he you know was the interim head coach. You know maybe perhaps he was going to get uh, promoted, but ultimately the Nets were looking for a new head coach, and they were interviewing a bunch of different guys. And then Steve Nash is who they settled upon. And what's happening now is I know Rahul, you and I are kind of talking about this. You were expecting uh, Jacques Vaughn to leave and try to find a head coaching gig somewhere else. Um, but Jacques Vaughn is going to stay on the staff. He's going to stay as an assistant, but he's going to become the highest paid assistant coach in the NBA um, because of, you know, he was the interim head coach for the Nets. He had a seven and three record in those 10 games. And uh, he's going to be able to help Steve Nash kind of, uh, transition and onboard and get used to the semantics of being an NBA head coach. Um, so let me get your thoughts on this, guys. I think I kind of laid the groundwork of all the background amongst that. Um, do you think you could see something? Do you like the hire? Do you hate the hire? Do you think the Wizards could adopt something like this uh, once uh, you know Scott Brooks decides to hopefully leave, or if he, or you know, if he does super well? Um, where do you see this going? 
So obviously this would be assuming that Scott Brooks doesn't pan out and yes, he ends up getting this fired. Is, this, is, yes. this, is, this is assuming Scott Brooks does not pan out. So assuming Scott yeah. Brooks either, you know, assuming uh, the Wizards fire him, do you see a Steve Nash-esque strategy working? Or do you want them to go the more traditional route of finding a super experienced head coach to bring on staff? I mean, they went the super traditional route with Scott Brooks. And I guess if he gets fired, look where that got them. So I, I would be a fan of uh, getting an inexperienced guy with perhaps a veteran guy um, on the staff. I'd, I'd be a fan of it, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird because I would do it for the Wizards, but I would not do it for the Capitals. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, the Capitals are the opposite, right? Like, yeah. they've done the inexperienced guy, and that didn't work for them. So try like try an experienced guy. Like, you got to try different things. I yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think from what I've noticed up here amongst some of my coworkers, some of my friends who are, are diehard Nets fans, they are super excited or rather, uh, I talked to my one of my coworkers who's a diehard Nets fan. Uh, he he doesn't he his words were he doesn't hate the hire, and the reason he doesn't hate the hire is because Jacques Vaughn is staying on the staff. So I think Nets fans are kind of tempering their expectations with this hire because obviously Steve Nash is not a super experienced uh, head coach, um, but I think having Jacques Vaughn on the staff gives them a little bit of ease and a little bit of you know, you know, they can, they have a little bit of breathing room to see how Steve Nash pans out. Um, so yeah, ultimately I think this is something the wizards could definitely pursue, but yeah, I'm not well, Steve Nash is also interesting um, as a head coach. Cause he was so good with his vision on the court. He was such a good, essentially court general. Um, oh yeah, for sure. And I think is why he is getting the hire. I think it'd be a, like you, if you're going to do something like this, the head coach has got to be like a guy that has a track record of success in the NBA. So Nick and I were talking about this. It's just like a lot of great play, like great athletes and great players in their uh, respective sport don't often pan into great head coaches. Uh, it's just kind of like a thing that have, it's like something like, they can't really teach other players or coach up other players on what made them great. It was just their own work ethic and like just like the unique way they saw the field that made them the player they were. Um, and it's kind of like that frustrating. It's like, well, why can't you just do this? And then like, and they're never able to do that. And it's like usually what uh, is a superior head coach is someone who's never really had. Uh, reach those heights in their playing career, but have learned behind great, great, better players. Like, uh, fuck, Nick, who was the the coach we were talking about on the Broncos uh, originally? Yeah, Gary Kubiak, who was sitting who was sitting behind Elway for God knows how long, and became an offensive genius that brought the Broncos to a Super Bowl. Um, and just like kind of like that. Um, but uh, Varun, what you were saying about Nash is and Vaughn was that. If Nash doesn't pan out, like let's say they go on a huge losing streak, you'll put Vaughn on interim as an interim head coach, and then you'll be able to give him an offer after that. So it's really no like sweat off of anyone's back there. Yeah, I think I don't I don't I don't think Vaughn is gonna stay uh, as an assistant coach. Like obviously he definitely is gonna have head coach intentions. Um, <laughs> perhaps even if Scott Brooks doesn't pan out and Jacques Vaughn comes to us, that'd be cool. But um, you know. Just the the re I mean like he I mean like he's I mean like he's 
he's he's gonna get paid like the like 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 Josiah, the owner of the Nets, is gonna is gonna go out to make sure Jacques Vaughn is well compensated. And he'll probably help Steve Nash get his legs under him before maybe he realizes he doesn't need to be a part of the team anymore, and then he goes their separate ways. And then Steve Nash continues to coach the Nets. So, you know, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting factors here. And I think the Nets have a very good team as well that are that can be playoff contenders, especially they're getting Kyrie back, they're gonna have Kevin Durant. Uh, back from his injury and they have a lot of great rising star players in like Jared Allen and uh, Joe Harris and uh, Karis LeVert like there's 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 definitely a lot of talent on that team and hopefully the Wizards can you know reflect that uh, in their upcoming upcoming season okay well let's well let's quickly let's quickly talk about hockey roll into roll into it Caps have now started to interview uh, the various head coaches uh, for to take over for Todd Reardon's position. Uh, Gerard Gallant, the uh, Vegas Golden Knights head, former head coach, he was interviewed, as well as Mike Babcock of the Maple Leafs. They're also going to interview uh, La Violette from uh, the Predators. Um, overall, I, th- I, think, I think the universal consensus here is that Gallant is definitely the one that we would like to see on the team. Um, if there's another... Good coach there. I would love to get the the thoughts on that. Um, other than that, I think I think we're pretty much a consensus on that is that we want Gallant. Mike Babcock. Yeah, Mike Babcock uh, seems to be the uh, the front runner for the job right now. Okay. Um, in the media, it seems that the Caps liked his interview the most. Okay. Not to say that Gallant won't get the job, but that seems to be the uh, the bigger thing right now. Um, Big thing. Either way, both those choices are good decision. It seems like the Capitals are definitely going with the second job guy this time around. Yeah, uh, with Gon Babcock and Laviolette yeah. all being um, Babcock's been around with. He was with the Maple Leafs for a really long time. Um, the big so. takeaway here is that they do want an experienced guy, and mm-hmm. hopefully they're willing to pay him, and that's definitely a good sign. I think any of the three guys is going to be a step in the right direction over Reardon. Yeah. I yeah. Had some, I've heard some reservations on Babcock and his uh, coaching style, but, um, you know, I think all of them would be a step in the right direction. Uh, Lavoillette is a very intriguing option because he's taken multiple teams to the Stanley Cup finals before. Um, Gerard Gallant obviously took the Golden Knights to the finals in his first year. Um, you know, I don't think you can go wrong with any of them. Right. Well, with yeah, the Babcock of years, was the oh, head coach um, with the Red Wings when they were so dominant for those years in the the middle of the two thousands, late two thousands. Oh yeah. What I was so he's got his his own track record of success as well. So all three guys are definitely uh definitely good options that I would be happy honestly with any of the three. What I was uh, saying was that um, just the amount of years that they've coached, obviously you're going to hear bad things about like players that did, left the team under bad circumstances or anything like that about their coaching styles. Um, but I think uh, I disagree with your consensus, Varun. I, I'm all aboard the Peter Laviolette train. I really want to see him be head coach uh, the Capitals. Um, and keep in mind, we don't have that many years of Ovi left. Uh, every year is just another toll for that. Uh, same with Backy. Um, same with every player. Same with every player. And we really need someone who can get the best out of Verona, um, because Reardon clearly couldn't. 
in the playoffs. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think I think I think uh, I, th- I think any of them, I think kind of Chris summed it up well. I think any of them would be a really good choice. My my personal preference, I think, is Gallant, just because I really loved uh, how well the Golden Knights were playing in their first year um, against even even against us in the Stanley Cup Finals. Like they played super well, and if we had the chance to get someone like that, I would jump at it. But I see, but I but I also see the Babcock and the Laviolette arguments, and that they're also both very experienced head coaches. And that Babcock has gotten uh, that uh, team, or sorry, Laviolette's gotten the team, uh, team multiple teams to Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, um, I think there's no real so. defender of Babcock on this podcast. I don't, I don't know. I thought we were like half and half on Laviolette and Gallant. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really know which one. I think. Yeah, I'd probably agree that Babcock would be my personal th- number oh, three okay. choice since. No, no, like oh, last. Yeah, I just heard like, that part. <laughs> um, <laughs> because he didn't find very good success with the Toronto Maple Leafs, even though like he was good, really good with the Red Wings, but there must have been some reason, and he had some toxic work environment um, allegations against him. So there's that too. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would be happier with Gallant or Laviolette, but I, I would be, I would be happy as well with Babcock. Babcock. I'd be fine with Babcock, uh, but yeah, I also agree. I think he'd be number three on my list. But yeah. I'm glad that they're go- that they're interviewing, mm-hmm. you know, experienced guys. That's really what they need. They they have an experienced team, a team that's ready to compete right now and to contend. And so I think you really need to get a guy in there that's that's ready to do that from day one. For sure. And Adrian was not ready and. There's a learning curve, and I get it. And he could be a really good head coach in the future. You never know, but it just wasn't meant to be. Yep. Well, best of luck to the Caps as they find the next head coach. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to the DC Sports Brain Trust. My name is Varun. I've been your host and moderator, joined, as always, by Chris, Nick, and Rahul, three of the best damn sports analysts around. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We will have the descriptions to those uh, accounts in the description of the episode. Um, and I hope you all enjoy the long weekend. Uh, keep supporting DC Sports and have a great week.